Hey, we got the king of pizza in the house. <laughs> Something like that. I got to get into the spirit, you know? Mamma mia. That's right. Now, oh, Devin. It's coming up so quickly. I don't think that dish is deep enough. I'm sorry. No, I say. don't think it is either. I just Not typed my dish and went to, you know, went to Google or whatever. But mm. well, I'm glad you haven't given into AI to just go into AI for random photos that you want. That's my favorite quote from Jaws. We're going to need a deeper dish. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need a deeper dish. We're not going to have time to find deep dish while two of us are in Chicago, right? Well, good thing that uh, that they basically throw it at you here. So we're, you're not going to have to find it. In Chicago, deep dish finds you, I guess. Is it's what I was it's like to when, say. You, when you get off the plane in Hawaii and, they, and they, put like a, they put a deep dish pizza around your neck. Yep, yep, exactly. Probably a little bit too heavy, no? I mean, it hurts, Devin. It hurts for that's the, first, why, that's why the first year or two that you're here and then you get used to it. You got to eat it, Devin. Yeah. Get the weight off your neck. The albatross of pizza. A lot of people eaten. don't know that that song by the band, The Weight, is, that, is about pizza around your neck. <laughs> Heard it here first. <laughs> Take a pizza off, Fanny. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 263 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in Chicago. Technically Skokie. Ugh. Live in, Is that a city? Live in, it's a, a village. Is that a hamlet? We claim to be the biggest village in the world, but I know some people from Oak Park who take umbrage with this claim to fame. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't they have strict what, population what, limits what, on what a village is? What are you talking about again? What place is this? Uh, Skokie? Never heard of it. You may be that. familiar with the, the translation of the Potawatomi, Skokie. It's a swampland. Oh, I thought that was what Chicago was. I thought it meant stinky onion. <laughs> I think that's what Chicago is. It's the stinky right. onion. Yeah. Can't wait for the stinky onion deep dish pizza. Actually, the only reason I'm familiar with Skokie is because of the Skokie Adventure Park. Is that what that place is called? The With the miniature golf and the driving range and the batting cages? Yes. Is it called mm. the Adventure Park? It's. I think it's called Skokie Athletic Park, maybe. Oh, well. Not as fun. Yeah. That's fun. Let's Dave's not introduce... We're not introducing anyone else. It's okay. just going to be me and Dave talking about the suburbs. Yeah. While Perfect. other True. silent, frequent guests look on in horror. Okay. Well, that was Dave. We heard from Dave. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's hear from Doomwake next. Hey, Yo. Devin. It's me. Whoa, I'm last. I'm, I don't think I've ever been last well, he just in cut, 263 episodes. Well, you're not last now. You just cut into mine, so. <laughs> Devin, are yeah. you in Chicago yet? No, but I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm getting the aura around me. I'm preparing myself for immersing myself in, in uh, just diving into this deep dish, which is apparently, you know, per, per Dave is not deep enough, so. How deep is your pizza? I agree. I agree. Shane, yeah. are you willing to eat some Lou Malnati's or Giordano's or Pequod's while you're here? Are you oh, willing? I mean, oh, of course. I mean, yeah. If, if we end up there. If, if, the, if the evening takes us to a, to a buttery deep dish crust and a 45 to 75 minute wait for my casserole. Just got to call ahead, right? <laughs> Just got to phone ahead. Wow, this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's not complicated. So it's going to take out. It's you a know phrase what? you're going to hear around Chicago a lot. Just got a phone ahead. You know what else isn't complicated? Heavy, Heavy play. play. It's, it's not. 
the card game accessory brand that's going to improve your gameplay and your game day and your Magic Con Chicago. Oh, yeah. They're going to have a booth. They're going to be selling stuff. There will be playmats, deck boxes, card sleeves, dice trays, all featuring the ergonomic mobility and protection of the equip mag system it's all magnets have you guys heard about these have you heard about the <laughs> it's magnets? entirely entirely made of magnets. what is a magnet how do they work positive and negative forces constant tug of war of space time is basically it. space time is okay <laughs> marty we gotta get you back to your heavy play equip mag system i do yeah. think electrons are involved they are well, let's agree to that. Let's also agree that if you want to get some heavy play at MC Chicago, ask for Randy. Tell him the dive down sent you. Yes, you must. Please do. You have to. Because, I mean, we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy's going to be there. The whole crew, I mean, imagine much of the crew will be there. Mm-hmm. And it's may, maybe it's awkward. Maybe you're going to go there. You're going to be like, I just want a smooth transaction. I want to purchase this sweet, sweet purple dice box. And like Ruby uh, deck box. And it's going to be weird if I say something, but that lets people know that you heard about them via us. And it works. Shane, it's not weird. It's all, it's, it's not, not weird. It's not weird. It's not weird. I mean, I bet you they'll also give you 10% off your order. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But they might. It's but only they might. weird if you make it. Yeah. They'll certainly give you 10% off your order at heavyplay.com if you use promo code the dive down 2024. Perfect. I just, uh, I mean, I know we're going to go longer than usual. As we do with the heavy play spot, but I just was getting my stuff ready for MagicCon, and I was snip snapping it together. I did a custom deck bundle. I have my uh, what is it RFG Max the 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 dice box that has magnets on both sides. I snapped one box to one side. I snapped one box to the other. I'm good to go. That's how you do it, Stan. What are we doing on this week's show, though? Well, on this week's show, we are in fact packing our bags for MagicCon Chicago. Sweet home Chicago, the city of big shoulders, the windy city, the second city, the third coast. It's cooler by the lake. A lot of puns for one modest town. Keep them coming. They got two seasons in Chicago. Winter and construction. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Anymore? That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Hey, hey, hey. So what are we doing to prepare? We're checking in on modern, pioneer, even standard. I was not told this. We're going to spike all the side events. The format cups and the opens taking place at McCormick Center this weekend. And we're also going to take a look at the results from the first NRG series open of the year, which took place in beautiful Elmhurst, Illinois. And look, I was there. Maybe you saw the stream. Maybe you were there. Maybe you haven't heard about it yet. A murderer's row of competitors. (laughs) It was absurd. We got got some of the local hometown heroes from the NRG circuit fighting against members of the Magic Pro Tour who were in town for some reason. Yeah. I mean, what? Uh, ninth place. This is a spoiler. Ninth place was Andrea Mangucci. <laughs> ninth on breakers. Okay. It's pretty rough. Yeah. 2%, baby. Former world champion. Constant world champion of my Twitter feed. Someone got into their eighth NRG championship. Okay? Yeah. Some, someone qualified for that's eighth. A lot. I think that's all eight. Golly. Yeah, all of them. Golly. I was so as I said, I was there. I also did floor interviews. Now, at the time of recording, I have not listened to the recordings yet that I did on the floor. I just keep <laughs> I keep forgetting to. So we'll just wing it. It's fine. We're we're gonna we'll tease them up. And if you're hearing this, it probably means they made it to the episode. And if you're not hearing this, it means 
Nothing. They're not Shane, on the show. Cut it. <laughs> it's going to yeah, be that exactly. awkward silence after we say, now we're going to cut to an interview with Andrea Mangucci. Oh, wait. You guys ever hear those podcasts that say like, okay, and now time for a break. And then they don't actually have an ad break. They go right back to the content because like they didn't sell the ad spot or something yeah. like that. I find that so awkward. I feel I shame it. for those people. Awkward. I always just breathe a long sigh of relief. And now <sighs> it's time for the ad break, guys. So wait after this. Yeah, there's no ad break here. But we do have some housekeeping. Am I right? Oh, yeah, you're right. We do. First thing, just a reminder, if you are coming to Chicago and if you would like to meet us on Saturday night at 7 p.m. at a place called District Brewyards, we'll be there from about 7 to 11, I think. 7 to 10 is maybe what our reservation is, but I don't think they'll make us leave. Uh, Go to thedivedown.com slash Chicago to get all the details for that. That is thedivedown.com slash Chicago to come and hang out on Saturday night in Chicago. And maybe you're saying, but dive down, that's when the magic modern cup is supposed to be wrapping up on Saturday evening. At least one member of the gruesome foursome is going to be in the modern cup that will then lead a delegation. I've been saying this all week. I'm going to lead the delegation to mm-hmm. the bar, which means at like 7.30, I'm going to text Dave like, hey, wh- where are we supposed to go again? And, Dave and I'm will- going to say, go read the divedon.com slash, slash Chicago and figure it out yourself. Well, at that point, you should just send him to the other side of the city, right? I know my way around the city, Devin. That prank would not work on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember it? He's got location lag. What if you were already inebriated, though? At the cop? At the con, there is free coffee in the press tent, and we do have press passes. So yeah, <laughs> going to be there, you know zooming. There is a ch- there is a chance that hey, if you're if you're going deep on the on the cup or whatever, we understand it's fine. Stan, if you if you end up not being able to make it because you're going deep on the modern cup, we get it. It's okay, but we will be there hanging out. At least I will be there hanging out in Shane. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we'll see who else comes by. So far, there's about, you know, about 20 people have said that they're interested in coming. That's great. If there's anybody else, just let us know. Please remember this uh, event is 21 and up. Sorry for that, friend, but that's the truth. I saw this name on the list, and I don't know how you say it because there's O's in it, like the, the, the number zero. I think it's like zero Wake, and they're coming. That's what I read. I don't know yeah. who that guy is. Yeah. What a weirdo. We should probably not invite him. <laughs> Solid hang. That that can't be a legal name. No, it can't be. The Zero? What is that? Wait, is that your Christian name? Is that That's the name of one of our theme songs, isn't it? That's the ad bumper and the ending from... Uh, the Dive Down. Space Blood. Yes. Okay. Space Blood. Thanks for letting us use your music. New patrons, Dominic B., Justin S., Colin M., Connor, and Sebastian. We have five new citizens of the Dive Down Nation. Thank you so much for your support. We truly appreciate... We've had a really good influx of new citizens of the dive down nation we're super happy to have you all dave you said my call to action a few weeks ago wouldn't work it's been a slow build we got some we have people keep coming on in so if you want to support us if you want to help keep us going if you want to chat with fellow listeners of the show patreon.com slash the dive down we also have some new we have some comments on the spotify the one that i liked the most was victor h saying that he was glad stan is back stateside I'm sure Stan appreciates that, Victor. I'm going to speak for him. I'm not going to even give him the window. Victor, that makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> we have the store, thedivedown.com slash store. Grab some swag. Uh, I'm going to be wearing my swag at MagicCon Chicago, and you will see some there. If you want to get some yourself, thedivedown.com slash store. Manitraders, long-term affiliate. One thing. I, I am yep. going to be wearing a piece of preview gear on preview Saturday gear. nights 
and Saturday during the day at the con. So uh, keep an eye out if, and then we can talk about whether this fun merch would be uh, would be something you would like to see at the on the store. I think people like it already. I've seen I've seen it. it I've good. shown it to a couple people. Okay, it's a so very man- it's a very cool <laughs> pair of pants. Dive down <laughs> branded pants. Dive down Zubaz. Yeah, looks a lo- looks a lot like the fanny pack. Uh, Mana traders, the dive down underscore three y o. That we know that you won't remember that code. It's in the show notes. It's through the end of February. Okay, that's the that's the housekeeping. Only fourteen minutes. We did it. We did it. Okay, y'all. Um, I know that we we promised to talk about things that are going on in modern pioneer standard. I do want to talk about the NRG Chicago that just happened. So one, I believe, one Devon O'Donnell did some commentating on this tournament, aka Doomwick. I did do commentary. I actually did. I was planning on doing uh, what well, we were scheduled to do just Sunday, like the morning shift, but it ended up where the person who was doing morning, the second shift ended up getting a little bit sick. So I ended up covering for both shifts. So I got to cover the entire standard open. And that was a lot of fun. Wow. You know, yeah. A lot of the people who there were some of the people, some of like the more, the pros who were there for the pro tour that I think they probably skipped on Sunday cause they were playing some pie. They were, testing pioneer for the pro tour but yeah it was a it was a great time it was a really fun event awesome yeah i think i definitely want to talk about standard with you because i have been paying more attention to modern lately with the goings on there so but we know that it's you know it's still the rcq format people still are playing it and i think it looks pretty interesting so we'll talk about that let's talk about the, the 5k uh very briefly as a framework to talk a little bit about standard i think and we've been having a lot of breakdown content lately i don't really want to go super deep on the pioneer 10k but it's the first event of the nrg series in 2024 the series has expanded a bit this year you know they have like the sort of two halves of the year as like two seasons that you can be a point leader in the top two point leaders from each season make it into the championship the three at large points leaders over the entire year all of the people who win the 10k events steven dykeman he's going to be invited to return to defend his title and so the 10k event this weekend was Pioneer, and we can look at how Pioneer is faring lately following the release of Murders at Markov Manor. Is Azorius Control going to be as popular as we thought it would be? And the answer is yes. Uh, there's 197 players, and 17.4% of them played Azorius Control. Oof. Ugh. Yeah, very curious to see if like this metagame will kind of retain itself with the Pro Tour next weekend. You know, I, I kind of assume it's going to be mostly the same. I would honestly wouldn't be surprised if Azorius Control was even higher represented at the Pro Tour. Yeah. Given Pro's pro- proclivity for playing Control, I definitely think it's possible. There was some interesting stuff going on that I want to talk about related to Lotus Field later. Um, I'm particularly sort of curious about because Lotus Field versus Control is not typically a good thing, but there are some interesting players around Lotus Field. So Azorius Control was at the top of the metagame, uh, to my personal dismay, and the stock deck, more or less, is exactly what you imagine it to be. You know, there's Wandering Emperor, there's Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. There's little sweepers and big sweepers. You got your temporary lockdown, you got your supreme verdict, you got your farewell, you got a bunch of counter magic, you have four no more lies as the Azorius mana leak. You've got interactions like get lost, you've got Devon falling asleep, I agree. <laughs> uh, March of Otherworldly Light. You got your memory deluge, your quick study, your dig through time for card draw. This is classic control with some good cards, I think, or good cards if you like 
casting these cards. It had a 52.6% win rate, which is, you know, not blow the doors off, but it's perfectly good. Um, I thought some interesting variations looked like uh, some people had Kahira, some people had Yorian, sometimes Narset was in the main deck, like George Javor. Uh, You may remember him from a nice episode about control with Stanislav. Uh, He finished 18th overall. You know, this deck looks annoying to play against, and it did just fine this weekend. So, you know, like you said, uh, Devin, I think, you know, we know that pros like these types of decks, and I think, like, it's probably still getting its feet cemented under it, under it as a control deck has to in a format. So I'm curious where this goes. Yeah, so I think the the best, at least for the people who are playing blue white control, the reason not only did it get the most from the new set with No More Lies, but the metagame overall, as we're going to take a look here, didn't change a lot. Now, a lot of people have reservations about playing control in a new format, but if the metagame is largely the same with the same decks that we've seen, it's a lot easier to take that control deck and tune it for the expected metagame. Exactly. Right after it was Is It Phoenix, 15.2% of the room. It finished with a 55.4% win rate. Uh, Hell pretty yeah. darn good. Yeah, like, I mean, this deck looks exactly the same as it has been looking. You know, after Picklock Prankster got added, it's pretty much been the same deck. Nothing new looks like it got in there from Murders. And more or less, this deck is, is humming right along. 55.4. What do you think is bringing it to this level, um, Devin, Stan, anyone who's playing Pioneer? Like, is it just like, like you know, uh, it's Treasure Cruise is not a fair card to not be in legal in the format. I, I don't know if I'd go that far to <laughs> jump to such lofty conclusions. Treasure Cruise is definitely good. I think part of it is that the deck is pretty good against control. Yeah, that is true. I also think there's a little bit less graveyard hate, right? If that makes sense. Like It seems like there's a little bit less. Also, the other thing is, is like Lotus, Lotus is, is kind of the unwinnable matchup for Phoenix, so if people start playing decks that help push Lotus out, like Boros Convoke, Amalia, I think for the Lotus players, those have been a little bit, those have kind of been described as weaker matchups for Lotus. So if those decks kind of get pushed out, or if those decks are pushing out Lotus Field and then Lotus Field is not at the top, then, you know, Phoenix can kind of take take advantage of that. Rack mid, up next, perhaps not surprisingly, perhaps a little bit surprisingly, 10.7% of the room, 19 players, 46% win rate. Overall, pretty poor weekend for Rack Mid. It Yeek. looks like Inti is kind of like a new stock creature in at least a few copies in most of these decks, but overall it looks really similar to how it has for quite some time. Misplaced Ginger, Derek Pite, uh was there playing Rack Mid uh, in from Toronto, huh? Maybe there early for the Pro Tour? Yeah, Pro Tour. And uh, uh, Derek finished in 40th. That was, was that the highest finish? That, that was not saw? the highest finish. I was just, You're that's, just mentioning. That's, 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 uh, I'm just mentioning the, the Rakdos bid person. The guy. So I got to speak to Derek on the energy floor. Maybe now would be a good time to kind of splice in his thoughts on the deck and what he's been working on with Rakdos mid in particular. That sounds ideal. Roll the tape. I feel like the people probably know you as Misplaced Ginger first. And then they, they get to know Derek as yeah, they start yeah, to consume yeah. the content. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny. Uh, like sort of introducing myself as Derek and then people are like oh like I was calling misplaced ginger and then the people who know me as Derek and like introducing myself as misplaced ginger them hearing other people refer to me as misplaced ginger it's like a the juxtaposition of that the two sort of identities I guess is like kind of funny to witness in real time but yeah most people do know me as misplaced ginger 
I also think most people know you as a Rakdos mid player in many formats. And I think I noticed you're playing Rakdos today in the Pioneer Open. How's it going? Uh, I just took my third loss, so not amazing. Uh, two of my losses were against Boros Convoke, which I was not really expecting to show up this weekend, uh, mostly because I was expecting a lot of blue, white, and Phoenix. And I think that Convoke doesn't do very well against those two decks. So got a little bit blindsided, a little bit surprised. Um, but you know, it's a learning curve. And yeah, the, the rest of the deck seems good. I'm beating the matchups I wanted to beat. So overall, I think it's a good event, even though my result doesn't probably reflect that. I feel like there's been a lot of ebb and flow with Rakdos over the last two years in Pioneer. Do you think it's as well positioned now as it was in the past? Uh, definitely not. I think early um, Red Black might have not been the best deck, but it certainly got some of the most powerful tools in the format um, in, in the early growth of Pioneer. It seems now the other decks that were slightly behind it have now caught up. And so there isn't that much of a gap between Red Black and the Phoenixes or the Blue Whites or the other decks in the format. So I agree with you, Red Black is slightly worse than it was, but I don't think it's worse enough where it's like not a good choice, if that makes sense. It's just, it's not as far ahead as it was before. Do you have any new technology like for murders or just a new spin today? Uh, nothing for murders, nothing really stood out. Uh, unlike modern, the surveil lands aren't really doing that much and unless I'm missing something, most of the cards are relatively low power uh, for Rakdos. I am playing two Inties, but no Copters, um, just because I think Inties is a very ma powerful magic card. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's it. Why no Copters? I have found that although Copters is a very powerful magic card, there's a lot of decks and uh, strategies in the format that exploit playing Copter. So like, the play pattern of Copter is Copter, play a creature. You have to make sure that that creature resolves or your Copter doesn't die before it attacks. And then once you attack with this Copter, if you actually get to attack and you loot something away, it has to be like worth it. And then you're never actually going up in card advantage. So you have all these hoops you have to jump through to make your two drop good. And then there are not only like a lot of things in the format that punish that, whether it be like a counter spell for your three drop or a removal spell for copter, you're tapping your creature, you're kind of time walking yourself, but also like it's very hard to actually get value out of it. It's not like copter when it was in standard or old magic where you can loot and copter is just the most powerful thing. It loots, okay, that's amazing. Now there are so many cards, so many like late game effects where Copter gets invalidated really fast or you can be doing better things on two mana. And so I think that Bank Buster is a bit safer, a bit lower power level, but it doesn't get exploited as easily. It's harder for the format to sort of interact with Bank Buster, but it also helps your game plan a bit more. You aren't forced to have to attack with your Copter, have to make these plays and hope your opponent has nothing. It gives you a bit more control over the game. And now, do you think the difference between the Copter effect and the Inti effect is that, like, with Inti you can just decline to rummage? Or how, how do you feel about the relationship between those two pieces? Uh, so, the reason I'm playing Inti is, is a bit more of a nod to the whole sort of mid-range idea. There's a, a kind of famous Ari Lax tweet uh, about Red Black. Uh, 
year and a half ago where he said that it has no card selection, it, it, the, all these cards are bad, like you can't actually churn and get to the cards you need. And he's, he's kind of being a bit facetious, but at the same time, like it is right. Like mid-range decks, you draw your cards, that's what you have. You thought seize, you play your Doomblade, hope your opponent isn't like top decking. Inti helps smooth those wheels for when you need to draw some extra cards while also doing something that you normally do, which is attack, uh, and it helps pressure your opponent. So when you have a card that like draws cards and functions very well, something naturally going on in the game, I think it's default powerful. You, you can decline to use the ability. It's not like Copter where like you feel like you have to, um, but it also makes it so your, your combo matchups are a bit better because it's just, like I said, early threat, find your hate pieces, makes all your other creatures better sort of thing. I, I've been seeing a lot of people be like, you play Inteon 2 and you have to discard. I like to play Inteon like turn 5 or 6, where you like play a Trespasser and then you attack and now it's a 4-4 with Trample. And There's not many cards in the format that block basically a Hexproof Trampling 4-4 that has an ability when it attacks. And if there is, then like stone attack or whatever you can still keep the NT NT combos with the bloods very well which is a very powerful magic card and now are you playing in the PT next week I am yeah I have to assume you're probably registering Rakdos again yeah I think I am 95% sure to register it and set unless something really really weird happens at this point so someone like you who uh, deck master what does your testing process look like ahead of a tournament with such high stakes when you know you're more or less locked into the deck um now <laughs> when I answer this I, I want to keep like whoever's listening like keep this in mind like I obviously have a very deep rooted bias towards this deck my testing process I don't think is necessarily a good one for the average player or for somebody who's trying to like play their first few PTs or even like their 100th PT or whatever. My testing process up to this point has basically been jam games until I can find out if Copter or Bankbuster is better. When I solve that, then apply that knowledge into the deck against other decks in the format. Um, but. I don't really have much of a team. Uh, I've been talking with some friends closely and discussing things on like a one-to-one -one basis, not in like a whole group, and then just like playing a lot of red-black. It was kind of funny recently, a friend of mine, I asked him a question and he genuinely looked at me and was like, have you played any other decks leading up to this event? And I was like, no. And he's like, don't you think that there is some value to be gained in literally just playing two or three games with a different deck rather than your thousandth game with red black and i was like yep you're right i'm not going to answer this question though <laughs> and so i i've just been jamming a lot of red black um i, I like i said earlier I, I think i've solved sort of the the bank buster fits better in the deck um and yeah the the stakes obviously put a bit more pressure on it but overall it, it doesn't necessarily change that much for me compared to like an RC or something. It's all just like, I want to win my matches. I want to give myself the best opportunity to do so. Stanislav, I, did, I didn't hear that interview, but I loved it. I know. And I know. Well, what was not to love? We talked about his different names that people know him by. 
Boros Convoked, uh, Doomwake just mentioned this, it ha- finished exactly 50%. Deck still looks exactly the same as it has to me. Did very average this weekend, but hey, Boros Convoked's fun. It applies pressures that other decks can't really do, I don't think, in the format. So Hey, it's got new cards. It's got Novice Inspector. Ooh, what's Novice Inspector? Well, have you heard of this card called Thraben Inspector? Yes. It's the same card. <laughs> what? There's another, there's two Thraben Inspectors? Perfect. I know, I didn't mean to surprise you there, but... I forgot about that one. I can't believe they did that to us. That's wild. Functional reprints from a Thraben Inspector. Why not just reprint Thraben Inspector? I guess there's a Thraben's probably like, what, lore-specific to Innistrad or something? Yes, probably. it would be. Yes. All right, I wouldn't know. Amalia Combo, seven players, about 3.9% of the room, did very badly. One, I was, I mean, you can tell that the deck is not perhaps performing super well because it was a breakout deck maybe a month ago and it's already down to 3.9% of the room. It had a 37.8% win rate. Woof. Um, I'm so glad I purchased all the cards and have this ready to go. I mean, I was going to say, people were kind of like, we're going to have to ban something out of Amalia. Does it just die super hard to blue-eye control? Or like, what? What? Yes. Is that what it is? I mean, that, matchup, yeah, just, that matchup is close to unwinnable, especially if like they have main deck lockdown. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's over. Yeah, Brutal. well. The metagame force is conspiring against me. You know, Shane, it was bound to happen. I mean, yeah. I'm still going to bring it to Chicago. I'm not going to like do any probably entry, pay, just side event paid entry type things i'll just like jam with some friends here and there so but the top finishing amalia deck 52nd place at five and three so what's interesting to me about this and Devin, i'm sure you can speak to this uh is that there's not truly a stock version of this deck i think it's really because there's just like different tech cards that you can have in a deck like this right like you can have your fiend artisans you can have your kellen daring travelers you can have your extraction specialists because they sort of have different roles and they have different times to shine but no one's really aligning on what's shining particularly right now yeah and i think another part of that is people are still not sure whether they want to play night errand of eos or collected company that's kind of like the big split Mm. in the big divide and um yeah a lot of people just aren't really familiar aren't really sure what they want to play in that slot and i see you mentioned the case of the uneaten feast here as well some people have been playing that some have not it's like it's a good card but it's not a coco or a night hit so it's a little awkward in that regard yeah i'll still play it i still want to mess with it i'm not gonna see maybe i don't my friends aren't the kind of people who would play blue white control so not not anymore we're older wiser now Yeah, we don't think we're that good. Lotus Field Combo, five players, 2.8% of the room, 63.6% win rate. It cleaned up. What? Oh, gross. Only five people. Well, here's what's surprising to me, though. It historically does not have a good control matchup. It does beat up hard on Phoenix. So, like, maybe these five pilots, like, ran hot. Maybe they dodged control. Maybe they knew what they were doing. Maybe some combination, some mysterious amalgamation of all three of these factors came into play. I didn't see anything particularly new. Isn't there, like, the whole tournament math of if you win rounds one and two, your likelihood of seeing control decks goes down because the control decks are so frequently in the, like, XX1 bracket? You know what I mean? So, like, if if Lotus Field is winning rounds one and two, then they're mostly just playing against other Phoenix decks, which were the other, like, super successful decks that are winning early on. I love this theory. This sounds like some spurious stuff to me, if you ask me. Yes, it doesn't num- seem very the, scientific. The overall, overall number of draws from Azorius Control was 10 across 31 players across the tournament. So and That's, what, 105, 217 matches, so... 
Yeah, more or less. It's yeah. like two percent, maybe. Yeah. So yes, I, I agree. I, I I'm I'm with you, Stan. Two percent is my confidence interval. Two <laughs> percent is my confidence my interval language. is like an incredible button to have or something. <laughs> <laughs> just just to annoy people. Put on the soundboard. Yeah. I saw an interesting deck. Friend of the show, Dom Harvey, finished forty third. And Dom was running a playset of Arch, Arch Druid's Charm, which if you've forgotten already, I would not blame you. A green, green, green instant that can search up a creature or a land card. If it's a land, you put it into play tapped. If it's a creature, it goes into your hand. Also doing some other random stuff he probably doesn't care about as much. I guess if you want a really expensive naturalize, you also have that mode. Was Dom the only person that you saw playing that or was it? were there multiple people? It was the only person I saw, yes. Stan, you talked to Dom about... Did you talk to him about Lotus Field or just life? We talked about Pioneer at large, um, not about Lotus Field in particular. So we'll drop in that interview maybe a little later when we're talking about the Pioneer format ahead of the MC. But um, I did not see his deck, so I did not know to ask him about this particular card. Seems like an interesting piece of tech to me, for what it's worth. It just it looks like Manguchi also has the one attracts at the Forage Druid's Charm, so I wonder if they maybe like found a, found a list together. Yeah. Mm, yeah, Manguchi's list was listed as Bant Lotus Field. Manguchi also had the Four Strict Proctor. I don't believe that Dom had the Four Strict Proctor, or did I miss it? Uh, let's look at Dom. Dom, 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 Dom. Dominic Harvey Lotus Field combo. No Proctor. So he's just, he's blue-green with the attracts and the Arch Druid's Charms, and it looks like Mengu was Bant with, you know, the same thing, our Charm, Charm Charms in the Atraxa. Interesting. I like this. Let's see where this goes. Uh, is it in Soul? Four players, 2.25, uh, exactly 50%. Not a huge sample size here. And Soul seems like it's back a bit. It's got four players. Inti's in the deck now, so that's cool. You go, Inti. You you go in different decks. I want I want to go on record saying I liked Inti, by the way. Uh, Bant Lotus Field's up next. Also four players, 62% win rate. It does help if Andrea Manguchi is on the deck, but uh, really close to the same win rate as Lotus Field combo overall. I'm not really sure why they're distinguished here. I think they're very similar decks overall. Um, it's not like it's like the Azorius Lotus Field where it's like trying to be a weird control deck. This is essentially Lotus Field. It's Lotus Field's weekend. We're just here to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, if, if Phoenix is going to put up this this much of a win rate and put five in top eight, then you want to be the Lotus Field player. Although, that being said, uh, spoiler alert, Lotus Field did lose to Phoenix in top eights. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, man, you know, some days chicken, yeah. some days feathers. So overall, it's about 63% of the meta. Uh, that's like above 2% representation there. So outside of the, that was like Gruel, Dex, Grease Fang, Five Color, Enigmatic Incarnation, Boros Heroic. Mono Green Devotion had one pilot listed. So that deck must not be doing very well. They're trying. Who knew? Here is our top eight. And stop me if you've heard a bunch of these names before. This is 2024. I'm not looking at notes from 2023. We've got Connor Malali on Is It Phoenix. We've got Adrian Inigo Tostet on Lotus Field. We've got Nam Dong on Convoke. We've got Matthew Hoey on Phoenix. We've got Taig Tajali on Manaway Humans. We've got Max Kamanowski on Is It Phoenix. We've got Charles Lampos Kikitis on Is It Phoenix. And we've got Will Kruger on Is It Phoenix. So a bunch of names that you have probably heard before. Good players are good. But we also have five players of Is It Phoenix uh, five copies of Is a Phoenix, five players on those five decks in the top eight. Shout out to uh, Charlotte Post in seventh. A lot of people may not recognize the name, but that's uh, Magic Online user Mogged. Oh, if that rings. Yeah, a bell. that does ring a bell. 
So, and like I said, Mangucci was ninth, missed the top eight by Breakers. Uh, he's probably also good at magic. Matthew Hoey took it all down versus Max Kamenowski in a mirror match finals on Is It Phoenix. I will note, Hoey won last year's June showdown to qualify for the championship. And NRG reported that he has been in all seven previous championships. I would, I would suggest avoiding playing Matthew Hoey. I believe that I have played against Matthew Hoey before in the past. And he was very kind to me when I made mistakes <laughs> playing against him. <laughs> Who could be mean to you, David? Look at you. I know. Look in your fitness mirror and see the smile. <laughs> so, hang on. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's Pioneer. Um, I don't have any overall thoughts. Uh, I mean, P- Pioneer is Pioneer is the RC format. I mean, excuse me, the PT format, right? We're going to see more Pioneer next week. So, what do you I mean? Are we going to see more of the same? Are people going to finally be off Rakdos mid, or like some people just going to keep digging, you know, into that trench a little bit? Uh, it's weird because it's it feels like this really rock paper scissors where you have you know blue white Rakdos and Phoenix. And it feels like Rakdos should beat Blue White. Blue White should beat Phoenix, and Phoenix should beat Rakdos. So it's like, you know, obviously there's some things in between, but that's kind of what it feels like to me. Um, but the key is trying to figure out, find a deck that is, you know, maybe good against two of those, which I think that's the tough part about Pioneer right now. Well, well, doesn't it seem like Phoenix is just kind of breaking up that paradigm and is sort of good against like a lot of the creature-based decks since it's full of removal spells and then is also able to kind of either get under blue white often enough while if not getting under it like actually maintaining a long game thanks to phoenixes being recursive and you can play them from your hand or from the yard and sort of like juke the control strategy depending on what they're doing yeah i mean and and i guess lotus field kind of throws a wrench in that too where it's you you don't really want to be playing phoenix if a lot of people are showing up with lotus field but then you don't want to be playing lotus field if a lot of people are prepared for it so it's there's another wrinkle in that too so it's it's really difficult well and and like the thing about lotus field that i wonder about is like how many tournaments tournaments have we seen where a lot of people showed up with that deck like doesn't it still sort of remain kind of like the deck archetype masters deck and a hard one to sort of pick up casually unlike phoenix which is albeit a control deck but still like a little bit easier fairly linear one and you you can sort of piece together what all the cards do because 12 of them just draw you a card (laughs) i mean i will say that like you know we're not talking about a casual environment in the pro tour right so like if people are testing hardcore and they're determining that lotus field is kind of the it can it can either be designed to be like a control deck or that you know there's some sort of like leak in the control deck structure right now because it's so focused on creature strategies or something like that and it can it can get in there but i mean i don't i don't know of course but i i I wouldn't be surprised to see, yes, even more like 23% control or something like that. And then like people really thinking that they can like find an edge with the Lotus field, but then is it Phoenix right behind Azorius control? I'm going to be surprised to see it even more top heavy than it is here, but I don't know. Makes sense. What would you, what would, what would you be doing, Devin, besides Azorius control, your favorite deck? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I would, Convoke? I would get, stay keep as far away from that deck as possible. I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you, I have not played a lot of Pioneer over the past couple of months. 
Um, but yeah, if I had to choose something, I, 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 I mean, it's hard to go wrong with Convoke just because the deck is, you know, very, very powerful, very explosive, got a new tool in the form of Inspector, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it really does help smooth out some of the draws, give you more gleeful draws and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I'd probably play Convoke and just, you know, accept the fact that I just have to win the die roll against Blue White. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the format you have been playing as far as mm. I know, which is standard. Oh Yeah. So, I mean, we can perhaps talk about this more in the dive down segment because I just wanted to kind of briefly go through what the decks at the NRG looked like. Um, and I imagine that would be similar to what you see at an RCQ around you. All What I saw really was Burroughs Convoke, Domain Ramp, but it looks like it has dropped in popularity by quite a bit, or at least in power level. Uh, Azorius Control. Esper Midrange, some kind of like four color legends, concoctions, and like a bit of Bant Toxic, which didn't seem to take over the metagame as much as perhaps people were fearing. So am I, am I missing anything that's kind of like, you know, outstanding or more popular than it looked? No, I mean, that's that's basically it. So just to kind of give a, a brief rundown, the big story of this weekend going into the NRG tournament was Boros Convoke. It was a, you know, relatively sort of a newcomer. It got some recent upgrades in the form of Novice Inspector, Case of the Gateway Express. Um, you know, there were people who played it before the new set, but that was kind of the talk of the town going into this weekend. It's like, is Boros Convoke going to be this dominant? Can people beat it? And it turns out that... Uh, you know, just like in Pioneer, the answer to all things aggro turns out to be Azorius Control with some main deck lockdowns. And, um, you know, I, it's funny because I was actually I was actually going through the I was going through some card like dealers trying to find some cards that I was talking to Dave about this before we started trying to find some cards that I needed for this weekend for the standard RC because they have the dealers have on-site pickup and a lot of them were sold out of blue white cards. So now I don't know if that's necessarily because of the Pioneer Pro Tour or because of the standard 75k because blue white's very good in both formats, but uh, keep that in mind. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, right now it's it, Boros Convoke and Blue Eye Control are kind of the two, you know, 1A and 1B, I would say. And then past that, it's like everybody else trying to catch up to them. You have kind of the the black mid-range decks. There's like a whole, it, it's just a, it is branches of these mid-range decks. There's Demir, Rakdos, Esper, you know, Golgari, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, and then the other thing you mentioned is Domain Ramp has really not been super popular as of like the past month or so. I haven't been playing a a lot on arena and uh, you know, the moto streets as well. So yeah, it's really right now. It's like blue white control convoke is kind of the decks that you have to beat and then have a plan against mid range. And then from there, maybe a couple cyborg cards against domain and you should be good to go. Love it. So our next event is April 20th weekend in Minneapolis. It's a modern 10K and a legacy 5K, so that'll be sweet. It'll be cool to talk about some more modern, even though it's two months away. I feel like that'll be, it'll be right when uh, Modern Horizons 3 is maybe getting some spoilers. We'll find out. In April seems a little early, but... Uh, this is Wizards of the Coast we're talking True. about, my friend. Fair. All right. Let's take a quick little break. Let's have some bumper music. No ads. And we'll be right back with some Dive Down Convo. Stay with us. And we're back. Very excited for this weekend, guys. It's going to be kind of the biggest magic event that I've participated in since we were all in Atlanta together in the end of 2022, when Dave first met Doom and history was made. I think this will be the biggest event that I've been to since Vegas, 
I'm expecting this to be since like Vegas 2015, like, mm. which was a huge magic event. That was such a good magic event. It was, but I, did you guys go to the most recent Vegas one? No, no, no. we've been, to, we, we've been to Vegas twice. We went to the first one post COVID with the big modern open. Oh, that's right. I remember that. And then you guys went to one years ago. We went, I think, I feel like I went to two. I feel like I've been there three times for magic, but that can't possibly be right. Yeah. We went to the, the modern, uh, modern masters two grand Prix in 2015 that had 9,000 people in the grand Prix or something like that. And I, I pulled my sealed pool and dropped. Yeah. I remember you did. Cause it had, it had a foil Emrakul and a Tarmogoyf. That's right. So I was, and that's when you still passed your pools, and I was just like, eh, screw yes. it. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was the day before. It was like a preliminary one. Either yeah. way, I definitely dropped from one of them. It was. But anyway, the only reason I mentioned that was because I do think that that these MCs are, you know, they're more like cons. Like they're the cons that the pro tour is at. So I'm expecting to be crowded and busy, and to have a lot of people <laughs> at it. Oh yeah, the it's, it's Chicago. It's a magic con. There's the artist lineup is bonkers. The panelist lineup is bonkers. There's people from Watsy that are gonna be talking about like set design and world building and like the upcoming like year a few years of magic sets and stuff like that. And there's also going to be tons and tons of side events in every format imaginable. 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 <laughs> right. Indomitable. And you know what I want to talk to you guys about today? Please. How to win your magic Chicago convention side event. How about 201 split the last round? Yeah. That's how these work. Get the get That's the tickets. Really yeah. Well not, well not all side events are three rounders. They've got these cups. They've got these format cups. They've got a st- a massive standard open. There's just going to be a lot going down and I feel like because of how popular this is, whether or not you're playing in the Magic Con like the formats have enough interesting things happening to them within the last few weeks, really since February 9th when Karlov Manor went on Magic Online or went public in paper, one of the two. There's been enough change-ups that there's still something to learn about like how to get an edge in basically any format you're playing at the moment. So what I've done is uh, jotted down the events that I'm playing the decks that I'm playing and why. But I also looked at mtgmeta.io, some recent challenge results, just to get a sense of both what's good and what's popular, what you should consider picking up if you're trying to choose between several different options, and maybe what to keep an eye out for in case you're really not sure what to expect in the current environment. Before all that, though, I got to ask, has anyone actually figured out how to navigate this MagicCon website to sign up for no, one of these No, I haven't events? even tried, which I think <laughs> I'm going to pay for, definitely. I did go through the other day and like screen grab a bunch of tournaments I was interested in. I'm like, oh, this sounds good. Oh, this sounds good. And doesn't conflict with our or with our fun listener event, Stan. Dave, um, are you opening a pack or like a ho-hos? Sorry, I'm opening sleeves. I'm working on sleeving <laughs> cards. No, stop sleeving. No sleeving while All recording. Right. Only believing. Right. No sleeving. Just believing. Heave those sleeves. The um, no, no, he, no double sleeving. You, you can sleeve only Dave. outer sleeve. So the uh, no, I Stan. I specifically. I mean, I went on. I, I, I'm not like trying to plant a flag and being obstinate, but like I literally was like, I'm not gonna bother figuring this out. I'm not gonna pay these 
in my opinion, absurd, like, like just fees for already paying for an event online. Like it's just, it felt, it felt annoying. And I mean, I'm there to enjoy kind of seeing people having a lot of schedule flexibility. Um, You know, I can, I'm sure I can find some on-demand things if I'm really craving some magic. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to keep it loose, but it sounds like you, I mean, you're doing the cup, you're doing the modern cup, right? Well, I, I want to do Pioneer Cup on Friday and Modern Cup on Saturday. No. Yeah. Yeah. What is, when is the Pioneer Cup? Is it three o'clock, I think. But that, but how does that going to work with the, the scheduled like din, din, post-dinner party thing that we have tickets for? I don't know. Yeah, like the, the MKM the jam party. The Cluedo, the open bar. I don't know. Well, it's really only if I'm going to do really well and run deep and make a run at possible top eight on Sunday. Am I going to like actually conflict with any of the party schedules? But if not now, when? Yeah. Is the question with these if magic on All right. Events. Listen, no. listen, I don't think people came here to hear us talk about scheduling. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, let's, good, so let's get into this. True. There's three different formats here that we can talk about at this point, which is interesting because yes. Devin brings a bunch of expertise in recent playtesting on standard. So, so let's go through them. Like, what are we playing? I don't know if we can really tell people this is how to win your side events <laughs> per se. Oh, I definitely cannot. But tell I you think that. we could talk about the stuff that we will be picking, packing with us to play in these different formats. And maybe even we can get Devin to say what he would play in formats that maybe he is not playing this weekend. But um, I have guesses. So modern, let's start with modern. <laughs> Raise your hand if you want to I play Leyline of the Guild Pack this weekend. Is everybody raising their hands? I mean, I want to, but uh, they're hard to get. Yeah. So. so that's the baseline yeah, right now I, still after last week. Even though that that we're seeing in recent challenges that it's still a bit of a split between Team Rhinos and Four Color. I, I would say it's weighted towards Team Okay, great. Yes. Yes. And ev- in yeah. spite of that, we're the four of us personally are still probably looking to play some deck that is using Leyline. Okay, here, but which Leyline? Okay, because I think I think the secret power of Leyline, like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really cute. I'm gonna call it Leylinos. Okay, you're gonna deal with me saying Leylinos. That's uh, fine. The so the Leyline Rhinos. I just went back on my idea because I can't even make myself say that. I can type it, but I can't say it. So Leyline Rhinos, Rainbow Rhinos. Um, the 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 card that I like most in that deck is still Leyline Binding. It is it is the get out of jail free card. It is the does everything. It it hits it hits wide. It hits cheap. It does not require you. It, it I was like I was saying in our in our you know group chat. It's it, I think it takes the deck from a tempo deck to a mid range deck. You do not have to worry about the temporal nature of your bounce. You don't have to worry about like, oh, okay, end of turn. I'm going to bounce this chalice so I can like then slip in my cascade spell. You're just like, get out of here. You no longer have a chalice. It is gone. Well, it's, 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 it's mostly gone. It's hiding underneath this enchantment that I cast at flash speed for one white mana. And, and, and that's, I think, like, and, and I've, you've seen, at least I've seen people on the challenges playing four color rhinos without Leyland of the Guild Pact. And I think a lot of that is due to just maybe the reminder <laughs> that Leyland binding. Hey, is this card's absurd. still legal. Yeah. yeah. And good. <laughs> this is absurd. Didn't forget. And to that I think, note though, 
to the, just real quick to that note. So you mentioned that Leyline Binding turns it from a tempo deck to a mid-range deck, but it kind of plays both roles, right? Because the fact that Leyline Binding is a one mana removal spell, you can actually efficiently double spell yes. and kill. You know what I mean? So it's yes. like turn four, you're normally like your best one mana play with a Cascade spell as a dead gone. Now you have a premium removal spell that you can pair with that Cascade spell on four. Yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're talking perhaps one of the definitions of tempo being paying less for your spells than your opponents are paying for theirs, right? And being hyper-efficient, then yeah, for sure. I mean, I was talk- I was sort of talking about the, the nature of rhinos sort of being a get things through small windows. And then once the once the rhinos are in the house, they're causing some damage. But you got to get them in there in the first place. And I think it just makes it a lot easier to do that. Um, and I know, Stan, you talked about this deck last week. I played a good amount in the past week. And this deck, the Leyline Rhinos, feels pretty nutty at certain times. I think there's certain times it can feel clumsy, but I think... I think I think some of that is in the mana base. I think well, you really you really have to know what you're fetching for. You really have to know what's left in your deck. Yes, I mean I I think some of that's always been true of Rhino decks. It's just yeah, harder to rhino, navigate yeah. those decisions in a four color version. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you're, hold on, your your point about tempo versus mid range, I think so astute because oh, part you. of the definition of of mid range is that it can play the fast game, it can play the slow game, and the Lane line of the guild pact into sign of Draco openings. Like, that's the aggro side <laughs> yeah. of mid range, too. Yeah, that's your 5 6 Tarmogoyf on like turn two or something, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I'm still at, like, just for the sake of exploring and being impressed by the sheer power level of those two cards. And, and to be honest, like, I, I wouldn't fault you for playing Domain to have access to the three rainbow cards in general, because I think that yeah. package is like just kind of one of the strongest packages in modern right now that we're only scratching the surface of because there isn't a ton of incentive to play modern outside of like prelims and challenges um, before this weekend. And like, maybe we might see some interesting stuff coming out, coming out of these cups. In fact, yeah. Um, depending on who's playing on those and if, if they're publishing results. Yeah, I I think I was just running hot in a bunch of my test matches, but like, you know, you get to see the heights of the deck when you run a little bit hot. Like I had multiple turn two, you know, fully colored out uh scion of Dracos that the opponents just really you know, they scooped too. They have like what is what is Murktide going to do against that very easily? Do you know what I mean? Like it's just like the the clock is too fast. They don't really have any. You know, they're not gonna. They don't have any edicts. They might have a bounce spell in there if they're really lucky. You know, there's hexproof. It doesn't matter. So and then I I once had a turn one Scion of Draco off of a Gemstone Caverns. Oh my god! On, gemstone Caverns on the draw with a Leyline of the Guild Pact, and then whatever land I had was a turn two uh, Shardless Agent. So it's just like, okay, enjoy. Enjoy Good my luck. turn one sign of Draco. It's like hollow one uh, or something. <laughs> Remember <laughs> that's, that? It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, those are, of course, are like the highlights. But then like there, I did have a number of games and matches even where it's like the sideboard games get grindy. The sideboard games, the opponents keep those hands with the chalice. And I'm just, you know, I have two Besages in my 75. I've got four Ley Lines. I've got three Force of Vigors. And the ley line just adds such a important removal component, like I mentioned earlier, where it just feels like you have to really try hard to stop me. Like I'm beating like um, uh, 
scales deck, like through like a welding jar and like a chalice and an ensnaring bridge or something. You know, I, I think it was like more of a like a like artifact combo type strategy, which is why they had ensnaring bridges. It's like you you can't stop like the pile of interaction that I have against you now. It felt like you know that's also I'm drawing the cards, but they're there. They're there to be drawn. One thing that I just wanted to bring up real quick about you, I know you mentioned Shane that the Merktide matchup versus the uh, the Scion. Uh, the Scion Leyline openings. I've seen a lot of people play Hibernation in their sideboards, which you may not realize this is modern legal, but it's two and a blue instant return all green permanents to their owner's hands. <laughs> right. So the Leyline making the Scion green, you get to bounce the Leyline and the Scion and the Rhino. Yeah. So if you're if you're having a tough time with Merktide, that might be a good sideboard card. So this is this is Merktide's version of Hercules Recall. Yeah. I. Basically, I've seen yeah. people on Twitter also saying, like, don't do that. But I don't know if it's just a secret rhino person being like, no, don't do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> the other card that I'm looking at for what it's worth, and I think a lot of people are looking at, is still pick your poison. I think that's just good yeah. in many different ways in modern. But I feel like that's a reasonable card to have around against the team or the rhino decks, especially if you want to deal with Scion. Yeah. Uh, by the way, hibernation, not just seeing playing Merktide, the team or rhino decks are, are whipping it out, too. Um, I think any deck with access to blue, like even Living End, could could maybe consider it. All right. So for what it's worth, Stan, what what did you have to say about what you're thinking about for Rhinos right now? Shane covered it well. Really what I want to say is, like, let's assume that people are going to play other decks other than Rhinos. Oh, as yeah. Well. I have stuff to say. I'm not playing Rhinos. Yeah. Well, no, what are you, you go. We were talking about Rhinos. Let's hear you. You said that you're comfortable playing Teamer if... If you can't get a hold of ley lines, or kind of where's your mindset at? Yeah, I mean, I think like Shane hinted at this, like the popularity of the deck is still way toward Teamer, but I think that might just be like the rate of innovation in modern at the moment is a little Card slower. Card availability too, than yeah. perhaps. Um, I mean, no, there's like a line, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, well, you can't go wrong with either decks at the moment, um, or if you're playing Rhinos, and I think you can't you can. go wrong with renting from ManaTraders.com. Yes. What I really want to talk about is just like looking at the MTG meta IO data since murders dropped the win rate of some of the other like most popular decks and what are what's really sticking out to me is like the other strongest decks in the format supposedly in this sample. Now, I will say one of these three is what I was just sleeving up while you were talking, and I right. hadn't looked at the notes yet. So the three decks that Stan is talking about in the, the meta IO link that he put together, now keep in mind, this is only 11 days of matches, right? This is from February 9th to February 20th to today. So it's a small sample size, but the decks are scales at 60%, five color mid-range or four color mid-range at 55%, which means Omnath, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and Yogmoth at 56%. Now, Stan, which of those decks do you think that I'm sleeving up? Scales. Yes. So I am bringing scales with me to play at Magic Con Chicago because I would like to be DQ'd from events, apparently. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But that's that's what I'm doing. Yeah. You got enough dice? I, I fortunately do. I bought one of those, like, uh, my own Chessex tiny, tiny dice sets. So I have should have plenty. Yeah, scales is interesting. Like, it's a sample of 83 matches. Um since murders dropped that mtg meta is pulling from but like some of the bigger sample sizes including teamer rhinos like scales is hugely favored with 65 percent some of the smaller sample sizes which is only seven matches is is it murktide where scales is 71 percent so i think the jury's still kind of out on like 
how good Scales is and maybe the post-scam world where it was really thriving. But some of this initial data suggests that it's still like a very solid strategy and, and probably the best artifact strategy we have at the moment. Definitely the best artifact strategy. I do think that um, last week when we were looking at some of the larger modern events the last couple weeks, Scales hasn't really been a standout in those tournaments, and in particular the sample that we looked at of all the um, you know the, the last weekend's tournaments. It wasn't any particular like huge win rate there. It didn't look... I don't think it looks that amazing, but I'm still playing it right now because I think it has a chance to do pretty well to do some broken things. Um, mm -hmm. And this sample just made me feel a little more confident about it, I will say. The other deck that maybe took me by surprise, which like we, we chatted about last week a bit, but that's the four-color mid-range decks, the, the Omnath decks, which... Yeah, they're doing just you know, fine. And, and they're also Leyline Binding decks, which may have something to do with it, being just probably the best removal spell in the format. <laughs> They're four Teferi Time Raveler decks, which I think also has something to do with it because that's such a good card against like all the Cascade decks running around. I think it's also one reason I forgot to mention that I think four color rhinos and like the leyline rhinos is uh, a, another strong force in the metagame because it can fight. You can have that in your sideboard if you're playing uh, rhinos like the leyline rhinos. You can perhaps have it in your main deck if you're so inclined, even in four color rhinos or something like that. So I think that's a good way to fight against like the living end people who are going to come at you, the other rhinos decks, things like that, control decks, you know, all the good, re all the things that you love about Teferi 3. Yeah. Yeah. Again, MTG meta, it's got 68% against rhinos. And uh, another 71% against Living End. So it's just like, if yep. you're worried about a lot of Shardless Agents and Valon Outbursts, like Four Color might be a really great answer, especially if you can play fast, because these decks go forever. Yeah, um, I don't and, see much chance of me picking up <laughs> Omnath. I'm looking at these lists right now. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. The, yeah. The other you're not an Omnath fan? I, I mean, I have a set. I've played it online, but I just, I can't imagine... I, I I feel like about this the same way that you feel about blue white control. There you I go. think we just kind of like Ugh. just look just at the wanna... deck list and you just immediately want to just turn away. Kind I'm of. Good. You can't put so many good cards in one deck, can you? Turns out you can, even without fury. I know. Wild. I still love that these decks have one lightning bolt. They're like one <laughs> lightning one lightning bolt to kill you with Renin six. You never need more than one, right? True true the last deck i want to shout out that had a really impressive win rate is golgari Agmoth, which had an average of 56 percent being very strong against four color creativity which is a reasonably present deck at the moment also really strong against racto scam still is it murktide like 81 percent against murktide looks like creativity is or i'm sorry it looks like Yogmoth is one of the the scariest decks for the Merktide players at the moment. Um, and it also had like a surprisingly large sample against Hammer Time, which is not a deck that we've been hearing much about lately, but apparently is popping up enough that Yogmoth played it 16 times over the last couple weeks and is 62% against that. So I have a couple of other decks in my quiver that I'm planning to bring. I, I do want to play, a, like I, I raised my hand for the Leyline of the Guild Pact. I would like to play a Leyline deck if I can get a hold of three more. I have one Leyline. Oh, we'll so you guys didn't pull the trigger, huh? 
no, I just had already put in an order and then Card Kingdom was sold out. Ugh. So I, I will be stuck trying to buy them on the floor of the tournament, Ugh. maybe. Or I tell you what, if boxes of Carlo, Karlov Manor are $99, you know, <laughs> I might be willing to pop in those. You know why I'm not shelling out for them right now? I don't why want to buy modern cards when it's not modern season for like the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know, like I if, I'm gr- that. if I'm grinding RCQs every few weeks, like that's one thing. But if it's just like MC Chicago and then who knows, what's the point? So with that in mind, I did buy the other pieces that I needed for Domain Zoo. I know I gave it kind of a lukewarm review a couple weeks ago or last week or whatever, but I'm going to sleeve up what I have of that and just have it with me because I like having an aggressive deck that I can play. I guess Hardened Scales is an aggressive deck, but that's pretty mathy. So if I want to take a break, maybe I'll do some Domain Zoo and try to Tribal Flames people. Um, the other thing I'm going to have with me is what I've been playing on online the last couple of days, and that is Teamer Prowess by Bailey Sarkis from the SCG Con Hartford tournament, which uh, Stan was nice enough to pick up four questing druids for me at Pastimes, perhaps? Or did you pick it up at the tournament from NRG? No, no, no. no it's from NRG, yeah. From NRG. Yeah. Four druids with three different treatments. Yeah, I know. Perfect. Oh, my God. Come on. It's the worst. David doesn't care. I don't care that much, but... Um, well, now that you mentioned it, I should do that for Spike. When I'm buying cards for Spike, I should just troll him and get three different arts. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Good call. Good call. Yes. Spike, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but I'm not really. Spike ever does not listen to our show, Devin. No way. <laughs> um, the, so, but I do like this list that Bailey Sarkis put together and is kind of known for playing online. It's a great budget Magic Online list now, by the way. It's 110 tickets to play this fully powered uh, Team of Prowess list. Uh, it has not been going great on Magic Online for me at moment, but I still love lava darting people. And so I am going to have that sleeved up just because that is who I am. You got to lean into who you are, David. Yeah. I got a little shout out here. So I, I I see that you put Tron in the notes here. Somebody did. And yes. I, I haven't been playing a ton of modern here, but what? hear me out, okay? I just had this idea off the cuff. What do you think about Tron with Leyline at the Guild Pact and Scion? Perfect. So we, what, what's, we what's, have seen Blue Tron for what it's worth. Uh, yeah. Mickey Turtle Power from our chat played Blue Tron with that package with the Leyline package in it and went three and two in a league uh, for <laughs> what it's worth. What I, what I what I like about it is you can actually if you have Leyline, you can go play your Tron lane on turn one and use your Tron lane to cast your stirrings. And then on turn two, you can play your second Tron lane and use your Tron lands to cast scrying because your lands are a forest. Right, right. So it's actually like kind of insane. And it like unlocks the turn two plays for Tron, which are like, you know, they don't have a ton of aggressive plays because now you actually get to play Scion. So you can like kind of attack people in ways that you didn't have before. So I don't know. It's like I it just that idea that kind of popped into my head. But uh, I don't know. It could be OK. I, I don't have a list for you. I mean, yeah, I, I love the idea. I will say we are we have entered the meme phase at this point. You know, the um, who is that player that did like burn with Oko in it? You remember that person? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Whoever that was, like Blaze, Blaze at 420 was, I yeah. believe, the screen name of that person. Uh, I saw forget. a screenshot of somebody, or there was a 5-0 in the deck dump from yesterday that was just scam with Leyline of the Guild Pack and Scion and Leyline Binding in it. And it was like those 12 cards in scam instead of a couple other things. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. scam doesn't need this, but one thing I don't think we really talked that much about is how absurd you're, like, it's just, a, it's so absurd to have absolutely perfect mana. 
when you have Leyline yeah. out. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's incredible. It's, I think it's uh, really fun and cool. Yeah. It, it feels real good, man. It feels yeah. weird. It must feel weird in paper when you're tapping your fetches for mana, though. It's like, I guess you do that with Blood Moon, too. So feels strange. It's just a better Blood Moon, basically. <laughs> like a one-sided better Blood Moon. Speaking of scam, I, I am still interested in the Harlan Fire uh, Red Black Death Shadow list, but I cannot find any Stalactite Stalkers, so I will not be trying that. Who's, ga- who's gobbling up all the Stalactite Stalkers? Legacy Players. Oh. Is my understanding. It's in Delver. <laughs> right now so uh did grandmaster not have any uh no oh sad i'm sure right. i'm sure someone will have them on the floor of the magic con yeah why not yeah because we know how how well that went in atlanta like buying cards from vendors yeah so should we move on to pioneer or Devin? are, are you rhinos if you play modern or where's your what's your mind are you just doing it yeah i'll, I'll never play anything but rhinos so give me rhinos yep there you go period all right pioneer so we've talked a little bit from the tournament earlier, uh, from the NRG tournament earlier, about what's going on in Pioneer, but we didn't really talk about what we would pick to play, for what it's worth. Devin, Stan, or I guess Devin said Boros Convoke was where his mind his mindset was. Yeah, but I think the so. rest of us didn't really say. I I lean towards aggressive strategies in formats I know worse, and Pioneer is definitely a format where I do not feel comfortable really operating in it right now. I also think I'd want to go try to go fast underneath Azorius Control. I mean, I think we, we've mentioned this, but I think it's perhaps slightly underappreciated, like how bonkers temporary lockdown is, right? Like it's just it's it's such a when you have effective sweepers at like you know the three and four and like five and six mana slots of your deck that do like progressively more powerful thing things. It's just um it's it's hard to compete with that especially in like you know what, what i guess you can't be running mana tithe in your pioneer for boros prowess deck or something like that so you're kind of in a tough spot dude if mana tithe was legal i would play i would play that card in pioneer. <laughs> i'm just saying yeah definitely but yeah i mean like i i just sort of you know in, in a format that i would play as casually as pioneer right now i just feel like what can i do that's fast and fun and try to get under the slower decks and just like you know do my thing and then, you know, have kicks. That's well, I th- that's what I do. I think Stan might have a suggestion there. Yeah, Shane. Uh, it's Ooh, called Is It In Soul? Oh. And it rules. That's that's kind of my, my deck to play. It has a perfect 50% win rate at Pristine. the Energy Clean. Saturday Open, which I bet has a lot to do with uh, the coin flip because I played it in a Pioneer Re-CQ. Oh, yeah. Tell us about this. Uh, it's like an RCQ, uh, but there's an E in it. No, I meant, I meant your your experience in the tournament. Oh, my experience, it was, was fun. I, I guess I made top eight, but the cut to top eight happened at top six, and I only had to go 2-0 to make top eight, which is cool, because it, it's a five-round single elimination event. So by round three, there were six of us. Um, and I played in Seoul. And I was really impressed with it as an explosive aggro strategy in particular. It curves out really well with like a lot of one drops that make extra material. It's got a flying man that makes a map. Uh, it's got a Vidalgan Epicure that makes a blood. And what I was really impressed with is the Gleeful Demolitions, which I know people have been playing in the Convoke decks as well. I had never played with until now. And turn three going Gleeful Demolition plus Reckless 
bushwhacker is one hell of a drug, especially mm-hmm. if you've been just like curving out with like dinky one ones on turns one and two, and then on turn three you demolition and surge a bushwhacker. You're like threatening at least twelve damage right there. Yeah, this is um, the, this is the drug that makes Boros convoke powerful as well. Yes, yes. But the thing that I don't know that convoke has dark steel citadels. No, we're not, no, they're not doing that. Yeah. No, but maybe <laughs> you should. Yeah. Maybe no, you no, should, no, no. because if you target your Darksteel Citadel with a Gleeful Demolition, you just get tokens. You just get three one ones for one. You're not destroying the Citadel because it has Indestructible. True. He broke the format. <laughs> I mean, hey, when, when you've got Insole in your deck, too, that I think that makes that makes sense. You want to have an Indestructible 5-5, five, five, or you want to have, you know get three one ones for one mana for nothing i mean it's the best hordling outburst ever right that was a card that that we played in standard at one point in time there's no card better than hordling outburst yeah yeah stan were you playing any copies of the new enchantment the uh the blue case the filched falcon no no i was not and here's what i'll say round one of this rcq was a mirror match oh um funny enough it was a person who also had heavy play gear so it's like we, we <laughs> the true mirror the pre-game actions were were complimenting one another on our accessories <laughs> yeah was it stanislav sifka <laughs> <laughs> you were there um no so yeah pre-game we we compliment our accessories and then we each have like i think the exact same turn one of like spire bluff canal into this spyglass siren or whatever it's called and it's just <laughs> spider-man like, meme yeah exactly so, <laughs> like yeah. the jig is up the jig is up and my opponent had the curse of the filched falcon and they cast it against me and i just i in the game i saw it and from reading the text on that card i don't think it does enough because i think like the material yeah the, the material it provides can be provided by another one mana spell, but then like solving the case to pay three to make an artifact a four, four. I don't know that that's better than just playing that like three mana creature that is like in soul on a body. If oh, the skilled animator. Yeah. 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 You could do the glyph too, the one that makes it a five, four, and then you discover when it dies. Perhaps. In any case, I, I was playing a much more streamlined version of yeah, the deck. Gotcha. That's kind of like been stock lately. And uh, I thought it was really solid on the play, especially. I thought it was really explosive, um, shattering, or trapnel blast. Like, still an amazing way to kill opponents. You just, like, hold on to that card until you can kill someone, and eventually you just get there. Or you hold on to it until they try to destroy one of your artifacts, and then you counterspell them by dealing five. Card is good. Deck is great. Chain. It's aggro. Yeah. You should try it. Yeah. I mean... Uh- I have one. I, I kind of realize I'm leaving extremely early Thursday, and so I basically have tomorrow evening to get everything in place. I've got Leyline Rhinos ready to go, more or less. It's in a box, ready to go. I need to get Amalia finalized. The problem with Amalia is that I am a filthy net decker, and you can't net deck Amalia because they're all so different. I just have to pick my poison 
Um, just, maybe, just find one. Maybe literally play pick, pick your poison, but yeah, I mean, just have to find the one that looks right. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't have time to test it. It's just going to be for funsies, so I shouldn't really care. I mean, I'm not. I'm not ending a tournament with this, so I do want to. I do want to go back to like my devoted druid days. I liked playing it on Magic Online when I tested it for some episodes, you know, back in the day. So I will be having Amalia on hand as well. Let's play some Amalia versus uh, Convoke Stanislav. Well, I mean, here's the soul thing. So- rather. Yeah, yeah. So Amalia, it, it has not had strong results no. in the data. I agree. Um, I I think it's fallen off a lot since the RC, surprisingly, because I thought it had a really good Phoenix matchup since the RC, but it's probably the rise of blue-white control that's been such a big problem for it. But if you can just like dodge the blue-white control m- matchups by winning your first couple of rounds, according to my 2% confidence interval, like it, all you have to do is feast on Phoenix games... Like, that doesn't sound so bad. I've got no idea. All I know is I want to play creature combo. Looking at the MTG metadata for Pioneer, it's actually kind of slim pickings. There there hasn't been a lot of recent data, and you have to go pretty far back into the sample size, so it's hard to kind of break out what has been good post-murders specifically. But if we look at the challenges, the Boros decks, I think, are still really strong and are appearing like at the top of results and we have two of those we have boros aggro as well as boros convoke and i think both are probably viable choices if you kind of just want to like get under the control decks um and now now you kind of scoop me here because this was this was supposed to be my surprise deck that i wanted to to bring with me to pioneer but i didn't realize that um hamuda went back to back first places and challenges with oh, what, the heroic, deck? heroic yeah yeah with heroic because that's that is what i'm gonna be sleeving up for pioneer for this weekend uh i'll probably only play pioneer on friday afternoon and so uh seems like fun break for my first first matches of the weekend it also has three fugitive code breaker i believe Kamuna, because i definitely saw uh Humuda win the first one on saturday and was like oh sweet Boros Heroic, let's do it. Two Fugitive Codebreakers, okay. And then on Sunday, liked it so much that there's three Fugitive Codebreakers <laughs> in here now. And I'm like, sign me up. New cards, cards that I thought were going to be good in Prowess. Let's, let's try them over here instead. You know, honestly, looking at this deck, I got all these cards. Maybe I'll bring this deck. Hell yeah, Devin. You got I, three I, Fugitive Codebreakers too? No, I got to get those though. I think they're still cheap, so... They should be. Devin's got the cards. Yeah, but I, as people maybe remember, I've always liked this particular version. Uh, I mean, everybody knows I like a red-based aggro deck. I've I've liked this deck. I liked this when it was a feather deck. And so um, I think it's great to kind of get in there and keep trying this. Uh, the other deck that I will, I won't talk a lot about, but I will have sleeped up is Phoenix. Womp yes. Womp. Yes. And... You know, Phoenix, I think right now is kind of like the deck you can't go wrong with, to be perfectly honest. You will be playing a lot of mirrors mm-hmm. or long games against control. But it, I just get the sense that like Phoenix right now is the deck that the floor is never very low. It's, it's going to do a very consistent linear thing. And if you lose to, you know, someone getting under you because your birds are on the wrong half of your deck, like so be it. Um, or maybe you lose because you play against a lot of Lotus Field, but in general, there's just like so many games that Phoenix is able to steal by recovering from like a board wipe or some removal spells or, 
you know, setting up like a slow control game and then like turning the corner when your opponent has run out of resources and you've cast a couple treasure cruises and you have a handful of cards and like six power in the air on the board and more power coming. You really can't go wrong with Phoenix at the moment. And and for that reason, like maybe you have big crosshairs as well that you need to be aware of and pack your prismatic prismari commands to like blow up some unlicensed hearses or whatever else people are trying to do to shut off your graveyard. You promised me a Dom Harvey interview drop. That's right. Yeah. Dom and I talked about Pioneer at large um, and his thoughts on the format and kind of like where his testing team has been at at, from a high level ahead of the MC and, uh, and the pro tour that they're competing in. So let's have a listen to where Dom Harvey and his team are at right now. I'm here in beautiful, sunny Elmhurst, Illinois, with friend of the pod, my former coach, to this day, still my favorite coach, Dominic Harvey, pro tour competitor, and now energy competitor. Is, is this favorite by default? Was I your only coach? You were absolutely not my only coach. Oh, okay, okay. I, I figured you were putting a fast one on me there, but no, I, you love to see it. Thank you. Yeah, no, I've, and I've had some wonderful coaches, but I feel like you were the only one who actually garnered results for me okay, from okay. our conversations, and I have to ask, we're, we're in the middle of round five of the SCG portion of NRG, or of the Pioneer portion of NRG, Yes, not an SCG. How are you doing? Are you garnering results? Uh, I am garnering results for myself, uh, four and one so far. Uh, this is effectively preparation for the Pro Tour, the Pioneer portion, uh, next weekend, where ideally this would be a dry run for the deck that I had logged in days or weeks ago. In practice, this is part of a just desperate last-minute attempt to find something that uh, I'm happy registering, which, so far, so good, maybe? Like, if I, if at this point, if I had to lock in something similar to what I'm playing today, I wouldn't feel too sad about that, which is progress compared to when I flew in on Thursday, so, yeah. So today is Saturday. When are your Pro Tour decks due for the MC? Uh, this Wednesday. Uh, exactly when on Wednesday, I forget. So I'll have to make sure I double check that before Wednesday rolls around. But yeah, we, we have effectively three days in a bit. Um, and then obviously need to be up to speed on Limited in there as well, which I can't say I am at this point. So uh, a lot of uh, drafts to be done there. So it's a, lot, a ton of work to do. Uh, unsure if I'm going to be able to justify coming to the standard portion of the NRG here uh, tomorrow, which I would love to. It sounds like fun, but that's a valuable testing day, which probably could put to better use. So uh, we'll have to make a game time decision on that one. Uh, but yeah, a lot of work to do in, in a better mindset to do it than I was a few days ago as well. So that, that's good as well. Uh, so I wouldn't say I'm optimistic yet. Let's not take it too far, but uh, yeah, no, not feeling too bad. This is your first energy, if I'm not mistaken. I, I've been to a few here and there, just uh, when They've been close enough to the Canadian border that I've been able to hop across and I've had the time and, and so on. So I've played a few and obviously I've commentated quite a few uh, at this point. So familiar with the series and some of the names, but uh, it, the, the events always have a, a nice vibe. You know, It's not the same like giant airport hangar style uh, GP or SCG events from back in the day. And I do miss those to a degree, but there is also something nice about like, it, it feels kind of cozy and intimate, and you, you, you see people that you know, even if you're only coming to a few, and uh, yeah, it was just very, very good vibe, very, very good day out. Do you feel like potentially doing well at an event like this, where you're in the featured match area occasionally, you're doing, or your results are getting published, like, is that revealing possible information to your PT testing? 
Well, they haven't put me in the feature match area yet. Not sure what's up with that one, if anyone's uh, retrospectively listening, I suppose. But uh, in theory, yes. I mean, there is some discussion among the people who are playing next week and are going to this of, well, if we have something top secret, if we have valuable info, we're not going to leak that for something like this. Um, so do you just play a, a mostly stock list of a known deck, you know, stock Ragdos, stock Phoenix, Blue White, something like that? Or is, you know, is this a good opportunity to see if your testing has been in a bubble of sorts, because it's very easy in, even a group of very smart, very engaged players, where you kind of all get in each other's heads, you start sharing the same assumptions, and uh, there, there's this consensus that emerges around a deck or a card or a matchup or anything, which it's sometimes it's nice to have that external check on, on what you're doing, and a tournament like this is a good way to do that. So without you know, asking you to reveal any of your secrets, state secrets. What do you think is the state of Pioneer going into the Pro Tour? I, I think it's a little similar to how Modern has been over the past few months, where it has condensed a bit to where it used to be Pioneer was the Wild West. You, know, you could play against nine different decks in, in nine rounds. Now I think that's a bit less likely. You have this more defined top tier, you know, Pioneer, Phoenix, Blue White, and those are fair decks. And, and, and any matchup between two of those decks going to be back and forth pretty grindy. So if you want fair magic, that is where Pioneer seems like it is at right now compared to some of the Green Devotion, Lotus Field, Wild West days back in the past. Whether that's a good thing is really up to you, right? It's subjective. But I think, I think it's in a decent spot. Uh, I think whatever playstyle you prefer, that is on offer. So you like the, the mid-range decks, the control decks, like we said, you've got those. Uh, Phoenix for all of the uh, Steam Vents, Volcanic Island people out there. And then if you like combo, you can play Lotus Field. You can play some of these off-the-wall style decks. Uh, isn't much in the way of like classic aggro at this point, but that's basically true across most of the formats, so I don't dock Pioneer too many points for that, but you can still play Convoke. There's a bunch of the, the tribal decks, the Gruel deck. Like, there's stuff there. So uh, whatever you want to be playing, like Pioneer has that for you, and often several good options in that space. So yeah, I think on, on that metric, which is not the only one, uh, it's looking pretty good. I do wonder if there's this tension between Pioneer as this eternal format where you can buy into a deck and master that deck over time, and like you know next time Pioneer season rolls around, you can uh, go back to that, and that's a safe investment, versus you want there to be some churn, right? So if in a year it's still Rakdos and Phoenix and Blue White, like is, is that the best thing? Probably not. So those are two really tough things to balance at the same time. And it's hard to do that intentionally because you can aim cards at Pioneer, but you don't know if they're going to hit or miss or, or overshoot. And now something has to be done. You've done your job too well. So it's, it's a tough job. I think Pioneer right now is fine. It's good. I've enjoyed testing. Uh, hopefully we'll enjoy... Uh, playing in the PT next week, watching the PT uh, coverage as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's fine. What do you think it'll take for you to top eight two PTs in a row? Uh, having some kind of miraculous epiphany about Pioneer in the next uh, day or two. And then also figuring out draft and just bumbling my way through that. So, uh, and a lot of luck. You know, I, it kind of took a bolt from the blue, this meteor strike last time to uh, shot me into the, to the top eight. So something like that again, I, I wouldn't turn down. So you mentioned you don't feel like there's a, you know, a tier one aggro deck in the format right now. I, I'm playing in the Pioneer RCU right now. I've got an aggro deck for you. It's a little something called Is It in Soul? Yeah. Well, Is It though is that's the thing because I, on paper, that deck looks great to me. Yeah, it's got a lot of mana sinks, got some nut draws. You're always using your mana well. Uh, low curve, got some nice interaction. You can just uh, punk people out of nowhere with In Soul and Shrapnel Blast and stuff. Then I test it and it's just something isn't adding up. You know, it's less than the sum of its parts. And when you then look at the matchups where 
you know, blew by with a bunch of temporary lockdowns and stuff and Lotus Field and these other things it's, it's tough to know what you really want to play against and then there is some stuff which you really want to avoid and so uh, that when you frame it in those terms it's a bit of a risky proposition it's a cool deck though it's a fun deck and it's the kind of deck which you can rock up to an event like this with you, you're going to have a good shot uh, it's a powerful deck at the end of the day so if that's your playstyle like, that's there for you and, uh, among many other things what do you think of beautiful Elmhurst, Illinois, and, and are you impressed by our suburban sprawl? Yes, I, I can't say I've got to experience the sights and sounds very much, just being logged inside all day. It was a beautiful sunny day. I was told to expect rain and snow and uh, you know, polar vortex again, but so far, so good on that front. It's, it's always funny with these things where, like, you know, Mundelein, people joke, is like the, the capital of magic in the Midwest these days. Not Chicago, Mundelein. Um, for the people who, who know, know the law there. And more generally, it's, yeah, it's, you're, we're very used to, oh, there's a Grampy in New York, but it's in New Jersey, which actually means Secaucus. And for all of these larger metro areas, you expect to be, you know, trying to take some kind of car, because there's no public transport, up to the suburbs 40 minutes away. Like, that's just part of the, uh, the experience at this point. Um, last question. And again, not going to ask you to reveal any state secrets, but do you... I don't have any. Well, okay, so maybe that, maybe that's the answer. Maybe Vadrock, but don't, don't ask me about that either until, until the PT's over. I guess I'm curious if you think there's a potential for the Pro Tour crowd, competitors, to actually unlock something new. Is there something in the format that is like maybe hiding within the shadows? Is, is murders a part of that? I think, yeah, there's always stuff looking and any new set. They've done a good job recently of they seed it with a bunch of these cool build-around cards, which probably most of them are going to fall flat, but if the, there's one diamond in the rough and you're the one to figure it out, maybe you take the tournament by storm. And Murders definitely has a bunch of those. And then, more broadly, like if you go back to this time last year for PT Phyrexia, your Pioneer Pro Tour, uh, return of the, the Pro Tour system uh, as we know it today, then you saw a, a bit of everything across the board. So you saw the decks you expected to see, like Rados and, and Phoenix and so on, but you also saw really interesting tweaks or improvements to existing decks. So Lotus Field, you know, got this big overhaul at that tournament. And then there was some stuff just kind of coming out of nowhere as well. Uh, so I don't think people had creativity on their radar too much coming to that event. And there are still a bunch of different ways you can build that deck. So yeah, I, I hope for a little bit of everything there once again. Um, if we end up watching like two of the best in the game play Blue White Mirrors or Ratos against Phoenix in the top eight, not going to turn that down. But for me, I, I'm someone who's always rooting for that, like, bolt from the blue to take things by surprise. I, not going to be a part of that yet, uh, it looks like, but I'd never say never. I've got, uh, got three days left to figure it out. So I think those are kind of Dom's thoughts on Pioneer. We, you've heard our thoughts on Pioneer. There is a standard opening happening this weekend as well. I think it's like a 75K open that, Devin, are you playing in that right now? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually currently, that's the only event that I'm signed up for. So, you know, hopefully everything goes well. Uh, if, you know, if that doesn't go well in the main event, then maybe I'll try to play some, some side events, maybe join the cup with you on Saturday. If, uh, if, if day one doesn't go too well, but yeah, I've been basically focusing my entire testing for the better part of, you know, the past month and a half on standard with the RSQ season coming up and this event coming up. So I've been playing a, a ton, a ton of standard and, uh, you know, it seems like the metagame is pretty diverse right now. I would like to believe that 
There's been a lot of shifts, like earlier, kind of towards the beginning of the year, it was more Esper, Rakdos, Golgari, all the mid-range decks, and then we had, like I was talking about earlier, that kind of burst of Convoke um, with the new set coming out, Novice Inspector, Case of the the, the Gateway Express, that's the one, yeah, I knew, I knew the name, and with Blue White Control as well, everything is just kind of, it seems like it's almost at a point where it's very cyclical, where, you know, Convoke does well one weekend, the natural response yeah, to convoke perfect. is blue white. Love, yep. I love that weekend. <laughs> natural response to blue, to convoke is blue white control, and then this is kind of the the next point. You know, we we go, we want to see what's going to happen this weekend. What is good against blue white control? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited to play. Now, Davin, we talked for a little bit before camera because there has been some discussion on Twitter or maybe kind of thoughtful monologuing from you on Twitter, I suppose, trying to figure out what in the world you're going to play. Yeah. Well, it's, to be honest with you, everything that I play, like nothing feels super bad, but nothing feels super good. Does that make sense? Where right. it's, where Absolutely. it's like, I, I don't hate any of these decks per se, but I'm, I'm trying to find, and maybe this deck doesn't exist, but I'm trying to find the deck that feels like it has a good matchup against everything, which, you know, that, that, Probably doesn't exist, but um, I've been playing a bunch of different stuff. Initially, uh, I was super high on the Convoke deck, but the one, well, there's a couple problems with the Convoke deck. The biggest one is the mana base, where in standard, you know, we have a lot less access to dual lands than we have in Pioneer and Modern. And for lack of a better term, the mana base in the standard Convoke deck for the spells you were trying to cast is is basically unplayable. Right. Uh, you have Battlefield Forge, which I've joked on stream saying this is the best card in the deck, because when it's in your opening hand, you actually get to cast your spells on time. Um, but you're <laughs> playing Cavern of Souls, which you because your deck has 16 one mana cards, you have Novice Inspector, Voldaren Epicure, Warden of the Inner Sky, Gleeful Demolition. You need an abundance of untapped lands and Notably, Cavernous Souls, it's basically, think of it like a pathway where you have to choose either vampire or human, depending on what your hand is. And if you choose... What I have to choose say, every morning, Devin. <laughs> well, vampire, vampire or yeah, human. when you wake up. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Which am I going to be today? <laughs> are you human or are you vampire? Exactly. <laughs> Always vampire, honestly. No. Um, but yeah, it's just like the banner is just super awkward where you're, you're, you're trying to cast these one drops. Cavern doesn't cast the gleeful demolitions. You have to play Thran portal. I don't know if you know what Thran portal does, but if you, if you don't know, you, you probably don't want to know where it's basically like a fast land pathway city of brass where you have to choose a color on ETB and you have to pay a life when you tap it for mana. So it's a, it's a pretty horrendous card, but you need to play it to make the mana work. Um, so that's kind of issue number one. And then issue number two is if everybody is prepared for convoke, I mean, I've seen sideboards over, you know, for for various mid range decks like Rakdos, Golgari and that kind of stuff. Um, I've seen sideboards that have had four path apparels. You know, if pe it's almost like if people want to be convoke, they very easily can. So, so risky. You like right. the deck, but it's risky. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, it definitely has those extremely high roll draws where, you know, for example, I, I killed somebody on turn three today where you just go turn one, uh, you know, either Inspector or Voldaren Epicure, turn two, Gleeful Demolition, one drop, Night Errant of Eos, turn three, Recruiter. That's just lethal damage. Um, and, you know, the deck has the capability of doing that, but again, it's extremely high variance. The mana is a little bit awkward, not great in post board games. So that deck has its flaws. 
and then I kind of dabbled into mid-range decks. Like I've been pretty high on Golgari mid-range, which is now a lot of these mid-range decks, Tamir, Rakdos, Golgari, it's basically just all of the same black cards with a very, you know, a slightly different splash color where the core of, you know, you say Deep Cavern Bat, Cut Down, Shieldred, Gix, uh, Go for the Throat, and then sometimes Archfiend of the Draw, sometimes Preacher of the Schism, and then splash whatever other color you want to splash. Devin, can we talk a bit about Gix? Because I feel like Gix has slowly crept up into being a meta-defining card. What is it, do you think, about you know Gix right now that is making it so powerful in the format? So it kind of depends on the uh, the surrounding cards, right? So there are some decks that, like, Gix is a lot better in, I think it's at its best in Demir, because Demir is playing Spyglass Siren. So ideally with, with Gix, you want to be playing like cheap flyers, Spyglass Siren, Deep Cavern Bad, uh, Fairy Mastermind, Malcolm, things like that. And that's kind of why it feels like it's at its best in, in the blue-black core. But, you know, I mean, you can imagine, right? If you go turn one, one, one flyer, turn two, one, one flyer, turn three, Gix, attack for two, draw two. If you're playing any sort of like fair, you know, fair adjacent mirror matchup and you draw two cards and play a three, three on your third turn of the game and you're on the play, like it's almost impossible to come back from that. Even if they kill the Gix, you're already up three cards because you got two off the Gix and the Gix traded for a removal spell. So um, in these games that are a lot more about attrition and resource management, anytime you get to be up two cards in, in a situation like that, it's just so unbelievably backbreaking. Yeah, that's that's kind of where, where why Gix is so good. And, you know, it's kind of, it kind of translates to the like the core or the how I'm building these mid-range decks. So, for example, in Golgari, because I don't have those, I don't really have any additional one drops. It's just the two drops, three drops, and then Shieldred, and that's kind of where the curve stops. Gix is worse than that deck because there's um, there's no one drops. The two drops don't necessarily have evasion like Dread Knight and Sharp Eyed Rookie. Those you know don't. I mean, Dread Knight kind of does. It has Trample, but um, so that that's kind of that. And then in the Rakdos deck, it's a little bit better because the Rakdos deck has Inti. So with Inti, Gix gets a little bit better where you can like, you know, turn two Inti, turn three Gix into their, maybe they have a two, two or even a two, even a, a two, three or something. You could attack the Inti into that, discard a card, put a counter on it, get a, a big swing there. So in the Rakdos deck, I typically only have, I think, usually maybe two, sometimes three Gix. And then in Demir, that's the deck where I really want to play three. And I've even considered playing four copies of Gix in Demir because of those Spyglass Sirens. And sometimes they even play uh, Fairy Dream Thief as well. So that's kind of where where I'm at with like with those those mid-range decks. So have like the Rakdos mid-range and the Golgari mid-range kind of evaporated over time? I mean, it's tough. So... The, the strengths and weaknesses for each of the mid-range decks is kind of dependent on what you expect to play against. So the reason that people kind of, or the reason that Golgari fell off a lot is its matchup against Domain is much, much worse than the other mid-range decks. Because yeah, Golgari, yeah. Golgari does not have as fast of a clock, so it's harder to kind of close the game out before Domain starts casting Atraxas and whatnot. Rakdos has a faster clock, but less disruption. There's no counter magic like Esper or Blue Black. And then Blue Black or Esper, I think, has 
of the mid-range decks probably the best matchup against the domain decks because they get counter spells and Tishana's Tidebinder. And Tidebinder is probably the one of the single best cyborg cards you can play against against domain because it's a flash threat which plays around their their sweepers like Sunfall and stuff. It counters leyland binding triggers and it counters attracts the triggers. So that as of right now I just made an order for a lot of the Demir cards that I was missing. So if I had to choose something right now at this time, if you put me on the spot, I think I'm playing Demir, but maybe maybe that'll still change tomorrow. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it looks like a fun format. I've seen you play on stream and it looks like, you know, fun things are happening. It's just one of those things where because I'm not paying attention on a regular basis, I just look at these decks and I'm just like, I have no idea if these cards are good or not. Like I have no idea what like the, you know, because because standard just involves cards that are just changing more frequently. You know what I mean? And yeah. That's like a pro, and a pro and a con. Yeah. I mean, as far as the, as far as these decks are concerned, like the, you know, blue eye control, that's a relatively new deck kind of just popped up with, uh, you know, the printing of normalize and whatnot and the prevalence of Boros convoke. Um, Bant Toxic used to be very good. It was Bant Toxic was a, was a lot better when people were playing more domain because that matchup was basically unlosable for Bant Toxic. But now that the format has shifted less towards domain and more towards like Boros and Blue White, Bant Toxic is much, much worse against those decks. So we've kind of seen Bant's kind of fallen off a little bit. Uh, Esper's, you know, that's kind of like the default deck. A lot of people, excuse me, a lot of people ask me, why don't you just play Esper? And I don't really have a good answer to that question, but I don't know. I just I I, I just have uh, for whatever reason in this specific standard format, um, I just kind of have a general uh, just general. I just don't like playing the three color decks. You know, the mana's in standard. The mana's generally a little bit worse. Um, now, that being said, the Esper deck still gets to play eight fast lands. It's one of the few decks that gets to play, you know, Seacrum and Dark Slick Shores. Side note, I don't really understand I don't know if if there's maybe like a lore thing, but why do we only have half of the fast lands in standard? That doesn't make any sense. I don't I don't know why. You mean why do we not have the like Spire Bluff Canal, like the ones yeah, that are in Kaladesh? I would I would kill for an inspiring vantage. I mean, it, it's it might be. I've heard I've actually heard several people mention on Twitter that they would kill for a good red <laughs> red white fast land. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that they just do that in standard sometimes, where they only have half the cycle of these things at a time. It's a little bit more unusual that we have all of these surveil lands at the same yes, time. Yes, I thought I that was really interesting. Yeah, that too. They dropped ten. Yeah. They almost they like never do that. Yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's coming soon in the next couple of sets, but maybe Outlaws of Thunder Junction's going to have inspiring inspiring vantage and all those those ones in there. One Botanical thing, Sanctum in the in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> One thing I will mention, uh you, on your decks to watch out for, you put Azorius Tempo Domain and Monored. Uh I would I Listeners, if you if you're listening to this and you have not made your deck selection for and you're playing in the 75k, please do yourself a favor and don't register mono red. Is it that bad? It's it's really bad. I mean, it was like it was decent against that was the reason to play mono red was like, similar to Ban Toxic. It had an insane matchup against Domain. Um, but I think that mono red is relatively far behind Boros Convoke, because it's like, they're doing similar things, but the Boros deck is just much, much better at killing them before the red deck can kill the Boros deck. Um, so it has, like, the, the Boros deck is much more, better nut draws, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not even sure that the modern red deck is that good against Blue-White, where 
they the blue white deck has a lot of efficiency removal like you know get lost lockdown um all that kind of stuff a bunch of sweepers and they're like sideboarding additional creature threats and stuff like that so i just think that mono red is in a is in a really really bad spot right now yeah it's too bad too bad love the overview standard interesting new dimension for us to have Right now, especially since it's the RCQ season, or for it for sure. So that's that's great. And Devin, you know we're going to be pulling for you in the uh, in the seventy five k for sure. So let's go. Okay, two things. One, we've lost Stanislav. His internet seems like it has gone south. So uh, if you're not hearing Stanislav, that's because you need internet to record a podcast like this. Unfortunately, do you? Well, I mean, we could do it in a room. We we have done we have done live we've done live pots. I don't know what we're gonna p- do in Chicago. I imagine we'll be having too much fun to record a yeah, podcast. I, I I don't I think I think I might put in a motion to skip next week. Even ooh oh yeah good point love it I love I'm this idea saying. Dave. We rarely yeah. do that. We rarely have the non-holiday skip, but you never know. Stanislav is always just like no I'll just record an entire episode with this person and and see what happens. Okay. Stanislav also recorded an interview with Christian Calcano. Apparently, it was concerning Pioneer. So I'm going to drop it in at after the end of the standard section. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. We might we might edit it. We might move this around because it's completely non-linear editing. I'm here with Christian Calcano, Pro Tour Top Eight competitor from PT Barcelona and. Before, or have you yeah, top eight at a previous pro tour? Yeah, Almond Cat in Nashville in 2017. That was my first one. And uh, this is your first NRG, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Yeah, it's been fun. Have you been to the Midwest before? Have you yeah. been to Have you been to sunny Elmhurst before? <laughs> um, I don't think I've been to Elmhurst, but I have been in the Midwest a bunch, but mostly during the Grand Prix days. So that's those are the events I like travel to the most. So just all the Grand Prix and the pro tours. It's what I played for the most, uh, like, like last, like, you know, 10 years before the pandemic. <laughs> so what were you playing today at the Pioneer Open? Yeah, I played Boros Convoke. Um, I just wanted to try it out just because I wanted some reps of it and see how it did in the tournament. It's an aggressive deck. Um, and, you know, I had a good time, but it didn't go well. Played against uh, one of the worst matchups, Amalia, and then had some, like, not great draws against uh, my other matchups, so... Yeah, I would say I, I will say it's very unlikely I'll play it at the Pro Tour. <laughs> what What do you like about Convoke now, or at least how do you think it's positioned in, in today's Pioneer? Um, I don't know. I it's hard to say. Like, it's very swingy deck. Like, you know, obviously it has its variance and it has a fail rate. You know, I thought maybe now with the Novice Inspector, the fail rate would be a lot less than before, but. I don't know, it still kind of feels like uh, maybe not the best position. Then aggro in general is just tough in Pioneer, especially with like all the Amalia decks and such. Even with like the blue-white keeping those in check, I still think uh, it's, uh, it's an uphill battle for aggro decks in general. I feel like the chatter these days is that blue-whites may be the best deck in the format right now. H- have you felt that way? Um... I mean, it's certainly, you know, certainly one of the more popular decks. I mean, it's, it's obviously very good. Um, but the thing is, it's just a really hard deck to build properly. And, like, that, that's kind of been, like, my issue with it. Uh, and, obviously, you have the time concern and, and such and such. So, 
it's uh, you know definitely tier one and one of the decks to beat. Like basically, you have to any Pioneer tournament you're gonna play, you have to factor, you know, your you have to factor in your blue white matchup and stuff. So yeah, I'd say it's pretty good and yeah, it's uh, one of the top decks. What, what, what do you think it's weak to, or how does anyone try to beat blue white these days? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like. Like, the only matchup it really crushes is Amalia. And then, I think I, I think at least the other decks are maybe either evenish or slightly favored, slightly unfavored, etc. Like Lotus, Phoenix, Rakdos, those decks. Um, I mean, generally, like, the best way to beat it is to be aggro. But I don't know. I mean, I had a tough time because, you know, they have, like, lockdowns and verdicts and stuff. So they, they definitely have... Uh, you know, they have plenty of answers against the aggro decks, so... Obviously, Thalia is one of the best cards against them, but I never drew that one. But, but yeah, like I said, like, with the Amalia deck running around, it's, you know, it's really hard to to play aggro, so I think that's probably one of the big reasons why Blue White is also doing as well as it is. Yeah. Oh, how's your testing process gone for this Pro Tour? Uh, just testing uh, with the same guys I've been with uh, the last for like Worlds and the last Pro Tour, which is Team Worldly Council, which is a group of I would say mostly Europeans. Um, and yeah, it's been fun. Like we've been testing online a lot, um, doing some drafts, of course, and constructed. So, but you know, we still we still have another because today's Saturday before the Pro Tour, so we still have like another say four full days or so to test for the PT so or I guess maybe three full days Sunday Monday Tuesday yeah because we lock in on Wednesday at noon so so yeah we still have some time and well you know we have a house uh, with a bunch of players and we're gonna be you know testing everything and see uh, see what we think is best for next week let's talk briefly about Chicago, uh, yeah, Chicagoland. Let's talk about MagicCon Chicago. What are our big plans for the weekend? Like, uh, we, I mean, we have the Clue After Party on Friday. That's going to be awesome. Yes, we are going to the Clue After Party, mostly out of an interesting fascination with the cross-branding of Clue and Magic. I mean, that's an open um, I'm bar. Hoping that, I'm hoping Tim Curry is going to be there <laughs> uh, in his Mr. Body from Clue the Movie outfit, perhaps. That I want him be to be as, like, the Russian general. I know, the Russian general from Command and Conquer. Yeah, it's very good. Why not both? Wow, Dave. Why not both? Wow, just, just man, just stomping on my, my, my vent, my throwback. I love it. I do love that, though. Space. But, and I'm upset that I'm going to space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So yeah, we're we are going to be heading to the Clue After Party on Friday. Then, as we said at the beginning, go check out the slash chicago for our sa- Saturday after party. And then, um, yeah, well, not after party meetup that's in the evening is what that one is. And then after, other than that, you can see us around. If you want to hit us up on Discord, it's probably the best place to do it. Or you can tweet at us uh, to get our attention as well at the Dive Down on Twitter. Which I refuse to call X. Too yeah, bad. yeah, D, yeah. Just you know, tweet at us or give us a DM on Twitter. It's a good way to reach us. Yeah, you know, but and we will be around all three days. Is the plan? Yeah, so. and feel feel free to to. I, mean, I am I am. None of us are 
that no one's going to be bugging us enough that you coming up and saying hi would bother us. Do you know what I mean? Like just feel feel free to come up. Just feel like, Hey, what's up? You know, cool. You know, I I've listened to your podcast three times. That's all I need. That'll make, that'll make, that'll make my day. Love to meet new people. Just, you know, feel free to come up and say hi. Maybe, maybe you'll end up on their podcast too, Devin. You never know. (laughs) Sweet. All right. Shane, take us home. Let's wrap this one up. Okay, cool. So hopefully we'll see all y'all. Uh, in Mag- in Chicago at the MagicCon if you're there. But that wraps up this week's show. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast. You get those episodes as soon as they drop. Uh, feel free to leave us a rating, a review on Apple Podcasts, shout out at us on Spotify, voice your mind. Uh, if you want to submit a question to us, reach out to us. At, like Dave said, the di- at, the di- at the dive down on Twitter. Uh, email us thedivedown at gmail.com. The Patreon is at patreon.com slash thedivedown. The store is at thedivedown.com slash store. Heavy Play, our one of our sponsors, our main sponsor. Awesome deck boxes, dice boxes, play mats. Um, I'm going to be picking some more up in Chicago. I think I want that purple. I didn't get them in, in Denver. Use code thedivedown2024, 10% off your first order. Or if you buy them in real life, say, hey, I heard about you in the dive down. Uh, Mana Traders, long-time affiliate. Use the promo code in the show notes, which is the dive down underscore 3YO for 10% off your first two months of renting those Magic Online cards. Save money on paper cards. Our friends at Nerd Rage Gaming just give our listeners 8% off their order with the code DIVE8. Thank you, Nowhere. Thank you, Spaceblood, for letting us use your music for a long time. And until next week, get out there and eat deep dish pizza. Pizza.